We made a promise this season not to not to speak their name, but it's recently uh, come to my attention. <laughs> what came to your attention? That the Red Hot Chili Peppers are touring in 2022. That's right, baby. There's a lot of... um, Nature is healing. Like, what what, what do you call these things they made? Like, they're videos, but... That that fake... What would I call them? Skits. I would call them the word (laughs) that is the most frustrating thing as a former uh, professional professional sketch teacher of eight years. Do the Chili Peppers have the right... Like, I felt like that was almost like they were invading in a space where they did not belong. Like, they didn't have the right to do absurdity like that because, like, they themselves are so absurd. Like, there's jokes... When you make a joke about a band, like, being, like, popular but bad, like, they are the band you make the joke about. They're so self-serious. So for them... Yeah, I don't know. It just it just felt like if you're reading the section in Scar Tissue where Flea is creaming his jeans about the amazing lyrics that Anthony Kiedis came up with, and then they write down what the lyrics are, and the lyrics are basically his brand of like, I took my wang and stuck it in a dang <laughs> flippy bang. <laughs> like it, it really what like that section. I don't remember what lyric set it was, but I was just like, you how do you, are you not aware? That no, these lyrics are actually dumb. It reeked of them being pleased with themselves. Yes, yes. And yeah, that is yeah. to me is like that's a cardinal sin of comedy. <laughs> like to be that pleased with yourself. <laughs> like it, you know, they are the they are the people who lie. Hey, and say, hey, watch what you say. Watch what you say there a little bit. You know, come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I mean <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> I mean, I guess we are also very pleased with ourselves, too. So we commit the cardinal sin quite often. Don't worry about yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I just opened up Instagram just to see how many followers they had. And the first post I looked at, you know, it shows you the uh, one of the comments. And the comment was from, from Doc Still Death. And it said, come on, Doc Still Death. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> One of you fools posted on it a picture me. of Anthony Kiedis, and it just said, "Come on, Doc, still death." <laughs> Wait, I didn't do that. Yes, you must have. Welcome to Doc Still Death, the podcast where punks are talking about old punk documentaries. My name is Jeff Garlock. I'm Pete Zetlin, and I'm um, Matt today. Today, you're Matt. Mm-hmm. Morehead most mm-hmm. days, but whatever. <laughs> but today, he's Matt today. Well, <laughs> Matt my, of my today. My, uh, yeah, I'm having some relationship issues, so uh, I'm, the Matt, the, the Morehead thing might not be there for long. <laughs> you're going to lose your last name. <laughs> Listen. I, it is I a complicated. F- it's been a tough couple years, man. I signed a real fucked up prenup, so <laughs> oh, sucks to be you, man. But there's always an inner crisis whenever we introduce the show with Matt. I, I feel like we're we have like a five to fifteen second window into some dark thing that's happening, but we never really it's, get. What it's it kind, is. it's like it's like oh, that's what was going on in our text chains this week. <laughs> We just go um, to we go to the next topic of saying yeah we're this is Doc Still Death and today we've got speaking of speaking of Matt this is a Matt pick today 
Yep. Today we are doing uh, the 2003. 2003. Did we decide that, Pete? Yes. We 2003. Did that because that's when it was. We decided <laughs> that the facts were true. The 2003 James Spooner documentary, Afro Punk. And this is the documentary that uh, started a bit of a movement and a festival. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty fantastic. Don't think you could say that about any documentary we've watched so far, uh, except, except for, for SLC Punk. Um, Christ Core. Yeah, Christ Core definitely started a movement <laughs> of my bowels <laughs> shitting on that fucking movie. <laughs> At least the singer of Sleeping Giant is still liking things on our Instagram. <laughs> Godspeed. I watched a couple. I'm glad on. he I likes watched. Dead Guy too, man. Hey, <laughs> we're, we I can, watched. The, we can bond. This. We have a Venn diagram overlap <laughs> in that. What'd you watch? I watched. A, I watched a couple of his um, his like little video posts. Very cool. And when he's preaching. He, you know, I, I, it's like because he does these like weekend morning things with him. Yeah, God, I hope talk. he shows he, up on Christian Nightmares. So. He seems like he's having like a legitimate like where I'm fooling around about these breakdowns. Like I think he might be like is he, he going like to lose his last name and his pre? He, he might. He might. He might. He might lose his last name. <laughs> he might have to start going by Tony. <laughs> but Tony. The, t- <laughs> you know his name. His name's I'm Tom. just saying. You know, no, but he might have to start going it's by... It's a really he, fucked up pre yeah, he, he might have to start going by Tony. <laughs> but today, we are not talking about Christ Core. We are talking about... far off. This <laughs> is going to go well. Yeah, I'm we worried ta- about this episode already. <laughs> Our mental state I'm worried about. In this. <laughs> so, today we're talking about Afropunk. This was a Matt pick. Uh, Matt, uh, do you have anything to say about Afropunk? To start so, us off, well, you said that came out in two thousand three. It's a James Spooner uh, film, uh, and that he started like the festival. I think just to add to that, I think from what I've read online and what I've um, uh, and I'm citing Wikipedia here, uh, Spooner uh, started the festival with another guy. I think named Matt Morgan or something like that. Like yeah. very similar to my name, but uh, James Spooner left the. Um, Left the the festival in yeah, you know, I guess like just the he stopped doing the festival with Morgan in two thousand eight. Okay, um, and then we'll, maybe we'll talk a little bit about later. But in an in, in a recent in, uh, issue of Razor Cake, um, you know that yeah, it's a pretty fun zine. Yeah, um, he does. Oh. Spooner Spooner does an interview with Soul Glow. Are you a the band from? Do you subscribe? Matt's holding up um, a, an edition. I know. I just bought. I, I mean, I don't. Subs- I, I should. I, maybe I should. Yeah, you I should. Mean, you know, buy back issues and stuff. But he. Doxel Death fans, let us know if Matt should subscribe to Razor Cake. <laughs> uh, text or us. If uh, Razor Cake would like to, uh, you know, fund us a little bit. Pete just wants a free subscription. That's what's yeah. going on. I oh. can't tell where this is going. <laughs> yeah. I would be happy to read cover to cover. Yes. And um, we could see if your reviews are better than Ebolition. I mean, and by Ebolition, I mean heart attack. Uh, that goes without saying, as we all know. Classic of, heart yeah. attack. All right, but go um, on, Matt. Sorry. Yes. Okay, so the, he, so James Spooner does the interview um, with another guy with Soul. Like He co-interviews Soul Glow. Mm-hmm. And he talks about – they all talk about – the fest, and they talk about Spooner not being in the fest, um, not being involved in the organization of the fest anymore. And basically, like the gist, 
I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. It was like, it didn't like, it's not really like a punk fest anymore or a hardcore fest. And it has like a certain image and maintenance like mm-hmm. that. Like it, it just felt disconnected from what the thing was that Spooner, Spooner seemed like he felt disconnected from what it was. Right. I don't know if that's true. I might be paraphrasing what the, some of the guys in soul glow were saying was why they didn't connect to it. It didn't feel like part of their kind of world, you know, po- yeah. Punk culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but anyway, there's other interesting things in this um, where Spooner talks. Maybe I'll talk later about. Um, I'll bring up later. He talks about the movie a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is verified. Verified, but like when I was a younger hardcore kid in the tri-state area, I I feel like James Spooner was around i don't know if he ever lived in new york but i knew people who knew a guy that they know knew as razzle um yeah yeah and that's him that's him right like and and because if it is him like if that's if that's the guy whose nickname is the one i'm remembering he was a guy behind kidney room records i think we talked about Mm -hmm. like and he did who did the swing kids seven inch the first press of it and uh the frail record and i think he did maybe what the elements elements of need jasmine yeah yeah um so all all like pretty classic amazing records. The time split. Yeah, yeah. All classics. All those three records are classics. Yeah. Anyway, so the movie <laughs> is a documentary. Um, it is uh, sixty six minutes. Uh, it is um, very low. Bu- it is like it is kind of deliciously low budget from my point of view. Yeah. It's um, it's it feels it, punk. It, it feels punk. Yeah. It's like <laughs> is is this one of the I mean, besides the decline, like if, yeah, like what movie that we've seen feels more punk? You know, maybe definitely in, in, in the it, Strife tour documentary yeah. definitely felt more punk, <laughs> uh, but not in a good way. No, this feels no. punk. In the, That's right. The Strife one is the way. one like in in uh, uh, kind of quality of shooting felt in the same kind of level. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but that was one where they tried to glossy it up versus this, like, embraced what it is. I would say the interviews remind me of American Hardcore. In what way? In terms of, like, the, the I guess if we're, we're talking the punkness of it, you know, just where they were situated in someone's bedroom, uh, in an alleyway. Right. Yeah. right. But in this one, I believed it was their bedrooms. <laughs> Versus yeah. just like one part where they're moving stuff around. Come into my bedroom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you stand under my toilet? Um, so it was, yeah. So this one, like, but I thought you were maybe talking, Pete, about like there is an abundance of people interviewed oh, in this one. Yeah. Um, which was also like American hardcore, but a lot sure. of people, a lot of things to say, um, like, and somewhat so. There were, like, I'm thinking about, just to kind of go over the structure, like, they are these little kind of vignettes. They don't have these, like, intercut titles the way some of the other movies do. So, like, it's basically you just kind of, like, you tease out what the little, the sections are about as you're Mm -hmm. moving through them. It's kind of loose, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are, like, three or four people who are maybe not even featured more heavily in the documentary, but like there's not a lot of names, right? Like no, there's no um, titles on people except for what? Like three people. I think three or four. Yeah. Four four total. And then, and then the barrage or, you know, the, the list at the end. So that's like, you can play catch up. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, um, and what bands they were in yeah. and everything, which is kind of like it was. <laughs> it was like both kind of frustrating, but also kind of fun because you're like, oh shit! Like now I want to go back and rewatch this part. Like I forgot, I didn't know this person was like in the Chromags at this point. Yeah, right. well, that is yeah. the thing. I thought it actually beyond that, like clearly, like part of the structure was to have those kind of four mains that they kind of kept going back to. But and after watching it, I was like, oh. Was the thought kind of um, was the thought behind putting all the names at the end a way to take away that weight that can sometimes happen when you're watching a documentary where you're like, oh, I'm going to value what this person said more than the other person mm. because oh, they played in Chromags briefly versus this is just a person who went to shows, quote unquote. Uh, and instead it allowed you to just kind of like take in like, no, this is the voice of all of these people that you would have, you know, uh, giving their individual take on, you know, whatever subject was specific part of the subject they were talking about that time and allows you like there is, you know, sometimes that frustration because you have that built in with a documentary where it's like, I want to know who these people are. Like I want, right. but it felt, uh, as I think, cause that happened maybe in American hardcore where there'd be like, why is there, or, uh, or was it all ages where sometimes there'd be the barrage where it'd be like, you got to let me know who these people are. Yeah. That was all ages. In right. this case, it felt like more of a structural decision that allowed right. their voices to be heard better than if you're getting bur- like kind of bombarded by the trope of, well, I'm going to pay more attention to Shaka than right. just a fan sort of thing. Right. right. That's kind of what I yeah. came away thinking was... Watching it, I felt a little frustrated. Like, I want to know who this person is. Or mm-hmm. some people looked familiar. I was like, I think that person's in a band, but I'm not sure. Like, I didn't um, know the singer of Absolution until the end. And then I was just like, same. whoa. That was the singer of right. Absolution. But it like it would have maybe not taken away, but made my listening to what he's saying different. Thinking yeah. in terms of it being Absolution. But sorry. Right. What were you no, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's what I came away made it seem like a level playing field in terms of everybody's voice and it being focused on their experience within the punk scene versus, you know, I kept going back and forth of, they could have highlighted so many different bands and, and gone on, uh, more discussions about the bands and their effect in the scene and things like that. But they didn't really do that. Uh, besides, I guess, Cypher, uh, was one band they focused on because of the singer. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, but be- beyond that, they didn't really go into it, which I liked and didn't like. I mean, I think because I want to know more about uh, the different bands, but that's that's just my own personal, you know. Right. I mean, I would imagine because it's like that's not exactly the point of it. it yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, well, that, like, it's pretty impressive saying- to not have bad brains show up really until right. like 45 mm-hmm. minutes in or something, like where it's like, right. great kind of actually works well structure wise Mm -hmm. what you guys are saying about the how the way that the 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 names and affiliations of the the people being interviewed comes at the end and it kind of gives you an opportunity to hear them as kind of like individual voices not like you know oh chaka you know Mm -hmm. like like with the weight of it it almost in that way, I didn't think of it like that. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense and is really smart, a, a sort of directorial decision. It also kind of, because it, it mimics or emulates the experience of being at the show in a way. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like where you're like, you go and you're like, oh, I didn't realize I was talking to so-and-so mm-hmm. until they get up on the stage yeah. and you see them right. playing in the, you know, like, like when you're meeting people, I mean, especially early when you don't know who's in what bands or when you're seeing a new band, like it has that, it, it definitely like, yeah, it's like, oh, and then you realize who, the, who you were speaking with. And that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, what about the, can you guys remind me who were the four, who are the four, um, featured talking heads? So you had, there was a woman, Tamar Collie Brown, who was in, uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember if she was in a band now. Right. I mean, I think currently she's a musician and her, like as a solo musician. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's a songwriter. Yeah. And then there was Matt Davis, who was in 10 Grand Vita Blue yeah. and a bunch mm-hmm. of other bands. Uh, Mike Mitchell, who was in Cypher, right. and then Mariko Jones was the woman who was a DJ and did that. I think it was called SoCal In Flight. She did sort of the like a, listings. Right. Yeah, listings. Yeah, those were like the four that they sort of followed. Yeah. Do you think there was a reason? I mean, I mean, do you think? Do you think they like? I don't know if there's obviously there was a reason. I mean, that's not the question. The question is, did you, could you glean why these four? Or did you have any thoughts about that? Or did, did they provide like just a contrast to one another? Or was there something else? Or? Yeah, I didn't really think about it in until you just asked that in terms of like why. But I, I mean, they definitely are coming from different areas and have different experiences. But obviously, a lot of it overlaps in terms of their experience. Right. right. I, yeah, I wonder if there was just an idea of the different representations of the experience maybe that they did all like he felt maybe like i'm i you know it's like you don't want to put it completely into the a pocket but it is like there's probably was an idea of like oh well you know guy from uh cypher represents the kind of conflict of being like african-american singer in a band like with like strong political lyrics with uh you know white bandmates combined with uh i don't know it, that's the hard part it's like i'm trying to think of what the like how that plays into like what exactly was the guy from vita blue's story quote unquote he was like kind of like a lifer like i mean i think the story there was like yeah he was he was i mean the, what the movie presented seemed to be that he was kind of like a gentle soul it came off as like you know like part of me is like wondering if i'm thinking this because like he passed away and it's kind of like sure. a sad story but like he was like a he seemed the most of all like the guys who people who were like the featured players the most he lived in a like a crummy punk house you know and they talked about there's the mouse crawl they showed the picture the video <laughs> yeah. the image of the mouse crawling across the floor he talked about how like you know he just buys lots of records he doesn't have to pay like he's like he was like and a committed dollars like, a month he's selling yeah he's like, selling blood to pay rent right yeah that line like yeah like a committed that's like committed hardcore lifer yes. you know like mid-20s hardcore lifer Versus guy from Cipher, it belongs to that group. He he became like Howard, the, yeah. Howard, the president of maybe in college, and yeah. continues that. Uh, maybe like Tamar Kali Browns is like kind of moving beyond the scene. And she's got this bit. whole aesthetic thing about like the crossover. Like I mean, like she's got like a real like developed sense of where like the punk look comes from. How the it's both like ref- yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like the cyclical thing. 
So like, there's a whole story she's telling. And yeah, and she's doing the singer songwriter thing. So it's not like it does. It doesn't have to be like the DIY punk sound right. where like that's well, the guy from Ten Grand. I mean, she referenced Nina Simone as being like the most punk. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if her, you're being caught in a system you don't support. Yeah, I mean, her right. definition was not very not so, yeah super broad. I mean, in terms of it being a, a state of mind, a lifestyle versus it just being about music. Right, right, and then yeah, and then Mariko. Yeah, she she was she was kind of like she was a scenester. It seemed like who was not like in a band, mm-hmm. and then she seemed I'm mean, like I'm like relatable in a certain weird way to me, like to be like this like full of self, like kind of like you know over self doubt and self analysis, you right. know, like. Like she seemed like she was like like in that in that space pretty intensely. Yeah, it was interesting to watch this documentary and realize like I realized halfway through I'd seen it before, uh, and I'd watched <laughs> it when it had come out. I re- I was like, oh right, I did watch Afro Punk, um, but it was also interesting and good to watch it now because I do think it's it's a very important thing to say like of course we are doing a podcast talking about afropunk and we are three white men uh uh and but I think that plays into the thing that I found interesting of like just thinking about documentaries in general is like in some ways documentaries are supposed to be they're selling you this lie like documentaries are always selling you this idea of Here's a topic you didn't know anything about, and now you know everything about it, or you get it now. Uh, and, like, that's supposed to be, in theory, the kind of, like, implicit, like, you know, the hidden promise of a documentary. And, like, in a lot of ways, like, especially watching it now, it was, like, a reminder of, like, oh, this is actually a documentation of uh, something I will never get. Like, you know, something I will never, you know, I, I can't, like, to me, and I think that's kind of the point if you're watching this as uh, a white cisgender man, especially, like, you know, who came from the punk background, mm-hmm. uh, is this idea of, like, no, no, you didn't get it, Jeff. Like, and you never will. Like, that's kind of the point of this. Like, it's like, uh, that's, it plays into, in my mind, the idea of, like, not, uh, giving everyone credit throughout and telling at the end because you're trying to actually hear these voices of what these people are like, you know, everyone getting interviewed is trying to say. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know. I just like it was just interesting to kind of like think in those terms watching it. Uh, you know, I think even in like trying to think of like, oh, what are the, you know, the kind of breaking down the structure of it. Um uh, I like. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah. Well. I, yeah. Well. Let me. Let me. Let me turn to this thing here. So you said two things like that. You know, that like as you know, it is like. I mean, it's like kind of worth talking about, and it brings up an issue that we've um, addressed in other movies in different ways, where it started from all ages, where we're like, who is this for? You know, it feels like it should be in a museum. It, it's. It's like the back. It's. It should be the video showing in a, at a museum exhibit. It has that kind of quality to it. Mm-hmm. And what you said just now, Jeff, was kind of brought that to mind because you're saying like um, you're watching it and, you know, you're usually being in a documentary being like kind of sold this lie of history mm-hmm. where – which automatically impl- – it, it kind of evokes the question of who is this for? You right. know, like who, who, who are we making this for? 
and like what message are we trying to convey to them? And I think this movie, for a number of reasons, sits in an odd, in, in like a kind of unusual, odd in that way place. One, because it's not, and this is rare among the movies, although we've done more this season that are this way, where it's not like just trying to be a historical record, right? right. Um, and it's, and I mean, and then the question of like, let, let me read. You. This is from that. I, I pulled this because I remembered reading this and thinking it was interesting. So this is from that same interview um, with Soul Glow, but it's James Spooner. He's like asking a question, but he evokes making Afropunk when he's, when he's interviewing them. And so he's at, J- Spooner's asked this question. He says, do you feel over the course of your band, I Soul Glow, you've changed who you're talking to? This new album's song to, songs to, to, um, at the sun felt like a black conversation. When I made the Afropunk movie, a question I often got from white people, especially back then, was, quote, why aren't there any white people in this movie? End quote. Because there's never, and they make a joke, because they've never experienced something that wasn't for them. And then there's laughter. Mm-hmm. And then one of the guys in Soul Glow says, it, makes, um, it made them feel like they had uh, a lens into something that was special. There's this weird thing with that. And then Spooner's response is, it's ridiculous, but it's the first time that they experience a black conversation because the way that we're talking to each other, we don't have to have any facades. There's a level of comfort that exists automatically. But if there was a white person in the room, we might censor ourselves in certain ways. And that's basically how the film was. So it was the first time for them seeing that. When I listen to you guys, and so then he goes back and asks them about, like he basically says, like, this is how I feel about you guys in Soul Glow. But this idea of like... Um, that this is this movie is a black conversation, and that we were speaking to each other without facades. Mm-hmm. Like, so you said, like, oh, we're not going to get it. I think maybe some all all the way going back to that, Jeff. And it's like, yeah, but I, don't, I, I mean, yes, I think on Spooner's account here, it's because it's like we can hear the conversation if if we're so inclined, but it's not actually a conversation we're involved with in mm-hmm. right which then kind of turns it back around as us as watching this movie and talking about it being like so what is this thing this thing isn't actually trying to capture um you know like the our memories of the boston hardcore scene or of the american hardcore scene it's actually doing something very different when he calls it a black conversation what is that what what might he mean by that that's the question that i wanted to turn it back to right like so like yeah there's nuances here we're not going to see or understand or like but well, but as an outside point of view, I think it's fair to ask the question of like, what does he mean by it being a conversation? You know, and like, is this? Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a, I think it's a good question. I mean, I definitely, as we watch this, and I think to Jeff's point, I was thinking like, okay, what's our focus gonna be? What do we bring to this conversation, to this documentary that, because it does feel different than the other ones we've watched. I also think the the content is something that the three of us have never experienced. Um, right. It's the closest you, to the punk singer in my mind, where it's just like you don't need – like it's like figure out, oh, how do you – the way to talk about it is not like, well, I'm just retelling a story mm-hmm. of someone else's experience. Yeah. Like, you know. Um, right. But I think in terms of the conversation, you know, being a black conversation – and again, this is this is pure speculation, but I wonder if the questions he was asking the subjects, the people in uh, in this documentary, 
are these the first times that these people have actually talked about it with a group of people? Like, have they had that sit down and talked about, you know, what does it feel like to be the only black person in the room? Or, you know, oh, sometimes mm-hmm. I would see another black person and wonder, you know, this is this is where I go and why are you here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and having those honest conversations or talking about the relationships they have um, with different people. And maybe they, some of these people have never had those discussions because they never had a forum to do so. Uh, or if they have, this is kind of like a concretization. Like it's, 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 it's. I mean, they are having those conversations in the room, right? But as like a as like a like a media outlet, mm-hmm. it is like like the projection of those questions in a way that like you can imagine, like you know, like it, it's not. I mean, it's they're just they weren't there in 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 this in the space before, you yeah. know, like. Um, I, like they, this, there's a, there's a reason that a festival and like, you know, came out of this. Right. Right. I also think that, um, you know, all the people in this, in this movie don't know each other. And so to see that, okay, Mag, who's in San Francisco or wherever he was at the time, and then you've got Forbes, who's on the East Coast, they're having similar experiences, even if they they're don't know each other. They're all agreeing on the conversation about the safe black. Yes, like, you know, right. like they, they're right. not. It's not like they agreed ahead of time of like, all right, we're in different like hardcore right. scenes, but we're all going to like talk about the same issue that we clearly are all having in the hardcore scene. Yeah, and like, so we talk and about in life. You know, like what coming from like a, you know, working with with young children, like we talk about, and this is on a whole different level, but like having stories and whether they're books or lessons, where kids can see themselves, even if they're in a class that. Uh, they don't see themselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, I do think that while, you know, this movie might be a black conversation, the three of us and so many other white people who were part of the scene didn't have to think about those things when you went to a show uh, and yeah. may not have, you know, been engaged in conversations about those type of things, even if we were, you know, trying to, <clears throat> you know, think, you know, consciously about other people. It wasn't in our day to day lives to, to have. Well, to and it's just why I time. think I was saying that it's like the interesting part is like watching it now and realizing that maybe the point is like, I don't get like, it's not for me. Is that like that kind of in one way being like, Oh, you know, let's pat ourselves on the back. Just punk in general. That's like, they're talking about a lot of, you know, people getting interviewed are talking about some of the ideas that are like just, like mainstream being talked about in the past year or two, like where right. I was just like, great, you're talking about white privilege. <laughs> like you're, you know, you're like talking about kind of like the, you know, uh, the, the idea that hit the most, which I think connected to it is why it like kind of hit was the, you know, I can't remember who was saying it, but like saying like, you know, when they got a friend who's like, well, because I'm an anarchist, my politics transcend race. And it's just like, well, that is like the shittiest thing. <laughs> like that is like such a shitty fucking human being and punk thing to say because it's like that is absolving yourself of like that is the equivalent of like, well, I just don't see color. And it's like, well, that's equally problematic, like or problematic in at least a different way. Um, uh, and yeah, like I think it's like it's 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 uh, in a in a different way. I was like watching and being like, oh, right. This is like when. All of a sudden, like the alt right, like jumped on like Antifa 
as a thing and i'm like yeah we've known about them forever <laughs> like yeah. like punks like they're like that's just like yeah that's life uh that was the thing was like connecting the dots i was like yeah it's in the just like any documentary but especially in something like this where i also think it's a documentary that is in some ways the closest to our world than any documentary we've watched so far mostly just because like the amount of people that kind of like live in our venn diagram but like Mm -hmm. especially like the guy from 10 grand and vita blue where i was just like oh okay you live in the punk house like we've all lived right. in. Like, you are literally in the exact punk world where we're always, like, kind of like, oh, this is kind of like the world that we all came from. Um, but, yeah, it was just like that. To me, I was like, oh, that is the point of this is that I don't uh, – uh, it, it would be uh, uh, pompous and not listening to act like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, I watched a 60-minute documentary. <laughs> And now I I totally get the the black experience in punk, um, but that's well, that's what's interesting. Go ahead, Pete. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that you know to your point, Jeff. It's like in terms of the Venn diagram, like we we knew and know some of these people um, to different degrees, um, but also like so it is that close. It hits home in that like we spend time and we're in the same rooms and played shows with some of these people um when mag is getting interviewed mag from yafet koto who at least at one point i you know would see a surprising amount on tours and consider and you know haven't seen him in years but like consider a friend and it's like yeah he, he had a sentence that was like i'm not like you and to say we are the same is not acknowledging me and i was just like yeah that's a great se-. like and it's just like and it's also fr- it's it's it, it you know hits close to home because it's like yep that's a that's a it's not just a guy i i it's not it's not uh keith morris like you know what i mean i'm just like right. saying a name of like guy we see a billion times as a talking head it's like nope this is a friend this is someone i consider like saying that right but at the same time it's like the conversations that are happening in this movie were not happening at shows or no you know when we're hanging out well, they weren't happening with. Uh, I mean, like I, I, I would imagine, like you're, you're right, Pete. But I think it might just be like, I don't know. Like, is, does it make a distinction to say like they weren't happening with us? Just as this, like when, when the line is like, this is a, this is a, you know, like this. When Spooner is in that interview saying like this isn't for, you know, everybody. They always think it's for them. Mm-hmm. You know, one. I, I'm sorry, I, I mean, I, I just took two thoughts and I blended them to one. So the first point I wanted to say to you, Pete, back was, yeah, like maybe some versions of some parts of these conversations are happening, but they're not happening on a large scale and they're not happening in front of us. Right. And the second point to connect was ultimately it doesn't matter because when Spooner says it's not for us, like there's a, there's like you've got to take that at face value. It's like legitimate, like what he – how he made, meant to make this movie. Like, And what does that mean? Does that mean that like when we watch this – we are not to take lessons from it, you know, or like to take kind of learnings from it because like, no, you can glean something. Right. But if it's not like, I mean, in its truest sense, it's not like, I think, I think, so let me back up a step and like, I think there's probably, I haven't heard either of you guys say it, but like, I could imagine there's like a whole world of people. And I think he kind of implies it in that interview where it's like, that like the whole point of this movie is to expose us, mm-hmm. you know, like like white people to this world, and there's almost something like 
kind of cool, uh, not almost something, there's something cool and somewhat radical in the idea of like, no, that's like not the point. <laughs> that's not the point of this movie. It's not like for us to share our, like, you know, this like kind of communal experience, like, you right. know, in the punk scene so that you guys, the majority of the punk world can then understand it. It's like, no, we're just communicating with each other. If you happen to see it, great. Right. If you happen to learn something, great. But like, really like the point of this thing is not your learning. Yeah. I mean, I think to back up to, that's kind of because it would play in into the idea of punk stuff that it's like this is some uh if it was that other case i would be like that punk is some xanadu world where it's just like we live in like some utopian world where it's just like (laughs) we're better than everyone else we get each other we listen to each other it's like no that's not the (laughs) case yeah i mean i think that's when i was saying they're not conversations weren't having i'm not saying to like that i i didn't see them i think more to the fact that um I think we all go into punk and the idea is that like you've, you know, people find their way into punk because they've been marginalized. They've been, you know, been the outcast or felt like they didn't fit in somewhere. And so this should Mm -hmm. be this community that is so open-minded and, and we're having, you know, we're supporting each other. And it's like, that doesn't really happen. And I think this exposes even more that it's, it's not happening. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's some stories in there that were kind of like surprising about things that people had heard, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, you know, for, for my gentle, genteel ears, like, I can't believe people would say that to somebody. I think we've also heard things when we all lived together that were kind of wild, you know, that were just like kind of, oh, I didn't know you kind of held these positions, yeah. you know, or mm-hmm. like would even joke around about this kind of right. stuff. Um, or not, not joke around about, you know, like, t- like these are things that people were saying seriously. Right. Um, you know all sorts of racist and jingoistic stuff about going back to your own country and shit like that. We've all heard. Right. Um, so, and I think that's to I the think, point, like we don't have those conversations until like some incident happens. It bubbles up and it's like, Oh wait, what? Like, and we have the privilege to not have them. Uh, I don't know. It was just like, that's why it, it's, it, it's like, all right, this is a, this is a, uh, well-structured documentary to like kind of, uh, like reminds uh, I ideally remind of just like oh right the point of this is to not uh, the point of this uh, for me watching it is to not chime in and go I get it like right. I get what you guys are going through <laughs> like yeah. in the most callous lazy way you know no but so but like you guys are both using the language of like conversation that like that aren't happening and I, I I agree like and but I think what maybe just to kind of I don't know if I said it clearly I know I know I didn't what seems kind of radical about this movie one thing that seems kind of radical is that like it's not in, it's not interested in the conversation you know mm-hmm. like like it, it, it can it can for us bring up the fact that we aren't that like certain conversations about like racial dynamic dynamics and racial injustice, like weren't happening in the scene. But I think the movie is like, or Spooner at least is saying like, I'm like, that's not what this is about. Like, I'm not asking, I'm not asking for white guys to watch this movie and want to have a conversation about race. Right. And I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. And so to like, you know, I had never seen this. I thought it, I, I assumed, honestly, I assumed it was that kind of movie. Um, when I first heard about it, um, just because like everybody's always trying to make other people better people, mm-hmm. you know, like that seems like often what goes on. Um, 
but then I know, like, I so I never saw it before this. I thought it was, you know, great. I knew that it wasn't that movie for a long time. But just to sh- give an ex- example of what I think, you know, where, where this movie kind of, one way this movie lands is, you know, my wife um, worked at a place where there was a bunch of kids who would come in uh, every day um, for like after school. Like this, is, she worked there. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember. She, she we, between one job and graduate school, she for like around three months, she worked in uh, in a city like development agency, and the kids would come in every day. And my, you know, Molly is um, a punk, and she kind of shows it sometimes, sometimes doesn't, or grew up that way. But these two kids would come in and gravitate towards Molly, who were punk kids. And they were two black punk kids. They were young. They were like sophomore, freshman. One was a freshman. One was a sophomore in high school. And um, they would come in. Molly would give them, you know, like kind of tell them about stuff. Get the whole like senior, junior mentor thing. You know, the boy. I remember there's a boy and a girl. The boy liked Fallout. They both loved Fallout Boy. It was like that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also loved like the Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, and all the stuff. You know. And then this is exactly the time that. Th- the Afropunk was showing, you know, they, he, he was like touring. I, if I remember correctly, he toured with it. Yeah, yeah. Where he, he toured was, crazily yeah, with it. Yeah. And so he was doing a show in the city. So she took them. They, they were lived in Patterson. Um, she picked them up after like, you know, like six o'clock one night, got permission from their parents, took them into the city to show them this movie. These kids were like the two weirdos in their school, like two, you know, like basically in the ways described in this movie. They go, Molly takes them to this movie. They see it. And they're really excited. They're talking. They're like all jazz. They're quiet the entire way home. Like the movie, like just fucked with their heads because they didn't, they thought they were like these only people, like whatever it was, right? Like they ultimately over the next couple of weeks conveyed to Molony how fucked it, how, how head fucked them, you know? Um, and I thought, well, we're talking about what's this movie for? What's this movie about? What's the black conversation that he refers to? And where do like, uh, where do we fit into it and where we don't, right? Like if I imagine like if I took these two kids to the movie, which I'm not as kind as Molly is to do that, like what would my reaction on the way home to them be? You know what I mean? <laughs> it would just be like... You guys... Like th- th- there was no thing that I could... Like there was nothing that I would dare to say, right? I because mean, like it's like... Yeah, one of those, you as a also a white guy <laughs> being like, so? <laughs> so? You guys want to get some Dr. Prager? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe talk about the things we learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like but that's Do you that's understand what it is, your right? culture now. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad to be able to introduce you to, to other people so who glad, share your yeah. culture. Of, so glad to finally like, introduce you to your culture. <laughs> yeah. The white savior over here. <laughs> yeah. We can like like there's no reason for like cuz it's mean, important it, it for that of, story to say that your wife is a person of color. <laughs> Yeah, but even if she even if she wasn't taking them to take them, I mean, so she's a person of color. But if she wasn't, there's nothing wrong with her taking them to it. The issue would be that would the issue would emerge if she after the movie was like trying to debrief with them before <laughs> you know unsolicited or before they had the time to process what they see. You know, but like it is like, also whereas, part of maybe the point of some of the things in this movie is that if it was if she wasn't a person of color bringing them to see this movie she would have tried to debrief immediately after you know what i mean it just be like so yeah yeah Yeah, i I showed you my collection of like african art like on the walls it's like oh you're that type of questionable white guy (laughs) 
it's a, it's, it's a difficult thing to be quiet when it's your turn to be quiet, you know? Um, it doesn't mean we can't talk about the movie. No, no, but I but do like, think that is what my take, like, where, again, like, I think especially, and, and it just also applies to our podcast, the idea of, and I think because I was listening to someone else talk about this uh, on a podcast where, like, po- where, like, documentaries came up and they were, like, kind of talk about, I think it was someone maybe who, like, does, like, kind of basically, like, reviews for TV, uh, and like summaries and you know how we have nowadays uh, and talk about how like we have a lot of uh, uh, dressed up trash out now like documentary wise yeah. like where it's like you think it's actually like a smart documentary but it might as well be like inside access sort of like level like like uh, you know like it's basically trash TV about a cult. But it yeah. has a glossiness, yeah, 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 yeah. and it's gone through the Netflix machine, et cetera. And so now you right. can feel good about yourself that you understand this world that you didn't understand. Yeah. But a lot of times it's just kind of trash. Like it might as well be like, uh, a, you know, billionth murder documentary that is on like just filling in time on other channels. Um, uh, right. And yeah, so like I just think and, – but I think because a part of – to me, again – the part of the lie of the documentary is like you will watch this and you will now understand something and so now you can speak on it like it's like yeah. and i think that's also a part of uh it connects to me as like not only uh race but also media is just like we're watching things just so we can talk about it like we're watching squid game so that we can tell people we watched it and this is my issue and this or this fill in the blank with whatever show it is versus the point of this is actually the opposite. It's just like, yeah, just shut up. Like, like you don't have to like chime in all the time. Like, especially white people, like, and especially white dudes, like opinionated white dudes. Uh, it is actually like, yeah, just listen. Like, you know, it's not like you're, you're, it, it, I mean, it's what you're saying, but like, as I think, it's just like it, it's gotten furthered and furthered by so much, quote unquote, documentary uh, that just exists in the world. Um, and so, yeah, like you can't. And but I, it's like the I, I do think it's like yeah, we're finding the way to be like, well, we're 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 talking about what we are seeing in it, uh, but not in a way of like. Uh, now I get DC hardcore. <laughs> like sort of thing because yeah. even yeah, that yeah, is yeah, something yeah. like that's such a low level shit but doing this podcast long enough we realize that just because you watch salad days doesn't mean you really understand the dc hardcore scene and this that's yeah. something that's not important like this is actually something kind of important like and so like even more so just be like okay like I, now i hear like you know i mean the things we can definitely talk about are is that a framed photo of ashes behind Shaka? <laughs> Am I crazy? I truly like needed to get a screenshot. I truly think he had a framed photo of the ashes promo shoot <laughs> behind him. And I, he was saying some pretty amazing stuff. And I truly was just like, could not stop looking and wondering if that was Brian McTiernan <laughs> and ashes behind him. <laughs> And I'm shocked neither of you saw that. Uh, you no, know, I, saw no I, I, I think I, I yeah. Um, is did he like? Could he have possibly? Did did Chaka ever like dip his toes into um, 
like produ- production? Could he have, like, or it's possible? Maybe he was going to produce the Ashes record <laughs> or something yeah. around that yeah. time. Take a break in between Orange Nine records. Uh, I don't know. I that was just it to just also bring a, a brief moment of levity. <laughs> but it yeah, was that, truly yeah. something like I was like. That's also the funny part about just watching documentaries and being like an insane person like I am, where I'm just like. Wow, I am learning a lot from, like, I really need to, like, shut up sometimes. I really need to, is that ashes? <laughs> like, it doesn't stop my hardcore brain. <laughs> like, it's, and again, why I think it's good that they held off on people's names again. Like, because I would have been sitting there yeah, right. watching it and going, I got to dig out that Absolution discography I've got. Like, I got it. I haven't right. listened in a long time. I wonder how that holds up. Oh, is this, like, I would have just started, like, being... Uh, almost like one of the issues of the movie. It's just like I just get distracted with just like dumb hardcore shit and not actually be paying attention because I have the <laughs> privilege to do that. Absolution, one of the first forgotten remembered New York hardcore bands. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, the last of the uh, quicksand bands that I couldn't find. And that that seminal article I found that had a listing off of every band that Quicksand was in, uh, mm. because I think Sergio played live with them once, like or something. I don't even think he was on a recording. I could be wrong on that, but like I could never find Absolution. Oh. I remember them because Ari Katz always wore abs- the same Absolution T-shirt with like the three names or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, but in any event, I think that's. I think you you're saying. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting to compare this or contrast this rather to these like trashed TV documentaries. And I think that's an interesting thing overall like that like what makes those trash TV documentaries so trashy is this veneer of of learning or education or lessening, you know, mm-hmm. like you get from these like where it's like oh no, it was all just tantalizing scintillating kind of like, you know, real just like tr- tr- you know, bottom feeder TV. But what makes it really bottom feeder is their attempt to make you seem like you you're you're clear. You're on the clear for having watched all this trash. Right. Because we've just taught you a lesson at the end. Right. It's like it's that's the thing that really gets gross. And if you're going in the, thing- the trash world, like it's like remembering. It's like and we all forget it. Everyone the whole world and we're getting worse at it. But it's like like, I remember when Wild Wild Country was, like, the one we would all glom onto. It's like, we're all going to, re- like, watch Wild Wild Country about that uh, cult, whatever the name right. of that was. Yeah. Like, but then I was like, oh, I had a friend who I knew from, like, comedy who was just like, yeah, actually, here's the deal. Like, my mom was, like, in that briefly or, like, was, like, a part of it. And it was just like, you know, like, she kind of was just like... It's not really all exactly how that was in that. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, and like, it was just like that mm. little reminder of it's it's not so cut and dry, um, uh, whether you want it to be or not. And I do think that's part of what this is talking about is I do think there's a big chunk of punks who, you know, want it to be cut and dry, <laughs> like, and just be like, we don't see color. Like we're progressive, like in our politics. Right, right on the, like, was there the was there a too. workshop about it more than music? Like about like the yeah. black experience in punk. Like I don't, not that I remember, like sort of thing. Um, right. uh, what what were you gonna say, Matt? Oh, but rather, like you said, like is you know, like you know, um, 
oh, now we get it. Like this workshop on like, you know, kind of like you can imagine like someone seeing this movie, you know, so like a, a white punk seeing this movie being like, oh, now I get your experience right. and I'm going to have a workshop on, you know, on my own privilege and all this shit. But on the other end, you can imagine someone who kind of like interprets it and takes a different lesson from it and basically feels the need to like, you know, tell you all about the hardcore bands with black people. They know, they know that, or that this movie doesn't touch on, <laughs> you know, like where it's like, no, 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 where's why die? Like, you know, no, 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 no. Where's like, you know, where's this band? Where's that band? Where's batter? You know, like it's like all this kind yeah. of thing. And so you can no, see Dr. Ken a lot Owen of- once. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. all right, you definitely yeah. missed the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, but it could, you can see it going that way too. Um, which, and while they seem entirely different, they are also, you know, not symptomatic of the same condition, but in a certain, I guess, from a certain altitude, they are. And it's just really hard to see something and to resist the less resist the urge to take a direct lesson from it. Right. You know, like that this is like, again, it's just like, I, I'm just like so fascinated on this. Like this isn't made for, for you. Um, you know, a lot of art you can say is like made, you know, as like an, on, like kind of like autonomous object. It's not made for somebody right. where this is not quite that because it's, it's made for a different audience. You know, I think one pe- one group that it is made for is like these two high school kids who, um, who are exposed to all of this stuff for the first time, who have an inclination towards other kinds of music, towards punk and everything. And then what would you say? Like, it's a way to, um, kind of put on display a shared experience and, or similar experience at least, and then kind of like move forward with that. Like, okay, now we've seen how people have navigated this in the past. Let's navigate it together. It's a little less alienating and isolating. You can see how that would be the point for the people who are involved in it. Right. I think maybe what, what would also be interesting to think about is like, I don't, maybe it's not, maybe it's unproductive. And it's just, but I'll ask it anyway. Like, when does it become not punk? Right, because like Spooner says that, and Soul Glow says that they're like, oh, the the punk Afro punk festival um, isn't like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it's not that like kind of like DIY it doesn't have that DIY punk kind of feel anymore. It feels if it it feels alien to both of them, which is an interesting thing, right? Because watching this movie again. I mean, and this is like, I don't think a judgment out of bounds to make. It's like, I'm watching it and I'm listening to some of the music. I'm like, this isn't really what I think of as punk. Right. You know, it's just like, I mean, the, the concept, like the, the kind of like justification for how it is punk makes a lot of sense. I'm like, oh yeah, like I, that, 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 that all tracks. But then musically it's like, once you start to, I think that would be the talk- disconnect. Like I were, I kind of remember having that fit where it'd be like, like in retrospect being like, I saw Afro punk. And then I'd see, like, the lineup of, like, living in New York and, like, see the Afropunk Festival and be like, this is cool. But it's, like, it's not punk, punk anymore. I was, like, and, and wonder because, like, and, you know, I think that's the thing. It's, it, it, it makes sense going off that interview with, you know, James Spooner's kind of, like, coming from the world we came from where it's just, like, well, this just isn't the DIY world. This isn't the, you know, yeah. the, and, and yeah. uh yeah, like where I, I think that would be the mental disconnect where I was like, I I would not in besmirching the festival name, but I'd see the lineup and be like, 
it the the, the it, it's it's awesome that it's happening but feels more like when like a, a corporate group uses the word punk versus yeah. watching the documentary like at the time being like no no yeah this is punk <laughs> like this is right. yeah this but is if- created by punk this is from the world i get like you know yeah. this is all people i know that are like i know like kind of understand the language um yeah. uh yeah yeah but i think Pete, what well, i was gonna say i think um you know obviously they were trying to get to a larger audience and so they they've got pretty big names um who may or may not resonate with punk but i think if you go off of the the definition like when that woman tamar collie brown was talking in the beginning she references nina simone who you know would not be playing punk shows uh but encompassed some of the those ethos in terms of the way that she represented herself the way that she controlled what she wanted to control uh you know certainly could resonate with a larger audience with larger bands but again like when i see the list of people in there i'm kind of like oh i don't know if that if that truly hits with that and it is I think an that's interesting why you left you know yeah I, it is an interesting question i think it's maybe not one for us to answer like right. i think it's it is definitely like something that if we ever talked to him i would be interested to know what because it's his answer obviously but it is also like right. is it um because, yeah, it can also just quickly get into, like, a basic conversation, just like, are the Warped Tour bands punk? Like, in the most basic They actually talk about that. It, that actually comes up in that same interview where they're like... Clearly he has an idea. Clearly he has an idea yeah. in his oh, sure. mind of what he set this up and that it's gone beyond that. But sorry, what did you say, Matt? Right. No, but I think, I think in the interview, one of the Soul Glow guys is, like, actually, like... If there is a punk band on the fe- festival, like it often feels more like a warped tour punk right. band than it does a thing. So again, I think that's what's interesting. Where like I mean, I didn't think we can legitimately answer it, but I think it just gets to this point that we talk about with a lot of movies, where like once it, so it's on one hand, punk is never just the music, right? You know, it's never just the sound, but the minute that you define it in terms that ex then beyond the sound that they have some other category, you know, qualities or characteristics that actually are a culture. It becomes a very hard to maintain the scope of it, right? Like, cause with the music, if it's just music, you can say, Oh no, it's a sound. It doesn't sound like this. It doesn't sound like the sex pistols. It's not punk. It is like, it sounds like the sex pistols and it's punk or it doesn't sound like the sex pistols and it isn't punk, but no one wants to say that because that's too, restrictive of a definition it always has to include some other normative qualities some other cultural qualities but the minute you allow any other qualities to be part of the definition of punk then it's like a thread that you can start pulling and being like well you know like what like an example here would be nina simone right right nina simone represents something it's obviously not the three chord punk sound right it represents something and but what's what's both kind of compelling and a challenge just conceptually is what is it about Nina Simone that makes her a punk that would still fit within a concept of punk that isn't so broad and so inclusive that basically anything counts? And that's like a... That, it's the, an interesting old not, man question, too, I think. Like, in a good way. Like, I think just because we... we I think we all are, like, wary of people who use punk 
as a term yeah. because it's like a lot of times you're like, okay, you immediately like, and especially now that it's just like conservative is a new punk has totally destroyed it, but it already had died years right. before. It's the same thing. But we also live in a world where we all feel like we totally get that. Like to me, like immediately, like it just in my mind, I'm like, yeah, Michael Garrison, this like American synth artist from eighties is like very punk to me. Like, in that he put out his own records and he just did them all on his own label, upstate New York, and, like, they're almost for no one because they just sound like Tangerine Dream and Klaus Schill's it. But, like, he wouldn't consider himself punk. But, like, in, but it's, yeah. I think we're all also wary of the the using of that term loosely because it's been so corporatized in the grossest way or just like not even corporatized it's just been like overused by morons who don't get it uh clearly it, the, it and it's like something i would be interested in not that i'll ever have the answer and i need the answer but from to hear what james spooner is thinking in terms of that yeah, it got it's, away it's almost from like a, what he originally believed mm-hmm. in and it's almost like even asking him like i mean and this is just like i'm just kind of speaking kind of very general here like it's almost as i almost imagine like if if we had the opportunity to ever ask him like what is it that was no longer punk or ask the guys from soul glow in this interview who talk about it like what is it it's almost like no answer is sufficient because it's not even like like it's not even a thing that you can put into words it's about like your core beliefs Mm -hmm. like for me when you say like can nina simone or this michael garrison would they be punk it's like oh yeah there's certain things i believe that are good that these guys represent that I would go along because do they have so a mohawk? Much... Do they <laughs> yeah. uh, wear an anarchy symbol? Uh... But then, but then we all have the visceral reaction to conservatism as the new punk yeah. in the opposite direction, yeah. right? And because it's like there's and there's no way to justify it rationally because I've already opened up the I've already opened up the definition sure. of punk beyond the three chords, and I'm willing to accept Garrison and I'm willing to accept Nina Simone, but there's no way in hell that I'd be willing to accept conservatives, right? And ultimately, well, because I mean, one of the reasons you're not is because the actual answer of like, all right, even if I am going to accept this thesis you are giving me, prove it to me, and then they might as well like anyone who yeah, could also. say that with a straight face might as well just be Matthew Lillard in SLC Punk, <laughs> like <laughs> with the kind of idiocy of like where I'm like I don't what are you saying exactly <laughs> Greg Gutfield yeah Greg Gutfield, Greg Gutfield yeah. yep no no he's yeah. real cool though man it's real cool to be on red eye and just like you know when you get down to it he likes power trip uh, <laughs> whatever uh, okay so how about this is there any any were there any particular highlights that we want to just a movie that we want to talk about I for me high like, highlights I mean not about a highlight, but uh, more like a My highlights was just say. I mean, we kind of said it before, and it's like on the most superficial level. But it was just fun to watch and just constantly be like, "Hey, him! Hey, them! Mm. Hey, her!" Like just throughout. Like it just like was just like you know. I, I on again on the most superficial level, it was uh, the documentary that was like maybe the closest to a lot of the people being interviewed were in the same like music scene as us same music generation same music generation exactly so then it would just yeah. so you know again throughout it was just like 
seeing like, oh, there's, you know, Kip and Jaleel from TV on the radio. And then, you know, oh, just seeing Shaka. There's Ralph from Franklin, like, you know, the 10 grand guy. Uh, even just seeing Rob Lowe show up for one second. Like he was yeah, just it was like, so short. And I was like, oh, there he is. It really was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, hey, Rob Lowe, there he is. Um, and seeing Mag a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that was also, I, weirdly, it was just a fun thing to be like, you know, especially as we get older, we just don't see people as much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, and just be like, hey, Mag, hey, you were fun to talk to years ago. Uh, it's such a, again, such a base level uh, kind of highlight thing, but it did at least, uh, I don't know. It was nice to, uh, it also on a, just a different note, made me be like, oh, can we search out other docs of our generation? Like oh, yeah. a little bit, just because I was just like, this is nice to watch. Yeah. Beyond the Strife doc, of course. That summed up Pete's life. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Darren Doan. Uh, Darren Doan, you did it. <laughs> you did it. You did it, Doan. <laughs> I had similar to Jeff, uh, you know, seeing some people that were familiar faces. Uh, we were, Jeff and I were, t- <laughs> Jeff and I were talking before we came on, but uh, Matt Davis, who was in 10 Grand Vita Blue, I'd met him a handful of oh. times, uh, one being on the Yulsa tour uh, that I went on, Matt. Um, <coughs> oh, sorry, that's <laughs> choking over there. You all right there, Matt? <laughs> they're big in... Uh, wait, was that a European tour? Because I heard they're really huge. big in Europe. Huge. Yulsa huge or? in Europe. Yulsa. Uh, nope. I heard nope. Yulsa's really big in Europe. <laughs> this was in Minnesota, and I think there was 10 people there. I don't know who told there. you that. Uh, <laughs> Where did you hear that from, yeah, Matt? did you hear that? <laughs> was that based on the record sales there that you heard about? <laughs> I'm not cutting this, by the way. <laughs> First DP sold over ten thousand. Um, so, anyways, this is much of a tragedy record. What? No. <laughs> I had met him a bunch of times. Um, it's just like That's a sad. super nice guy, and um, yeah. and he, you know, he was in in sort of like overlapping circles, as Jeff had said. So, uh, I had seen this before, but I forgot all the people who were in it. So that, that was fun. I also, I don't know if this is a highlight, but I, I thought it was interesting in terms of the common language of, you know, people having shared experiences who didn't know each other. It was like, you know, being asked the same question, just all coming at it with very similar answers. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece for me was like, it all comes back to bad brains. It's like the more docs we watch, it's like every, you know, it's just like, they're a band that is amazing, but doesn't get enough credit. Um, Even though they get an insane amount of credit, they still don't get enough. Kind credit. of, yeah. It's like yeah. they. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm, I'm, it's yeah. like the band that everybody knows. Matt sounds but like they he's being don't. a jerk to you, but he's yeah, just it's being like, truthful. It's like, wait, Matt, are you being a jerk? Can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's Matt. Uh, no, I'm being. I'm being serious. Thank you. <laughs> and just yeah, coming back to them, it's like all right, they. Big brains, amazing. Yeah, and by big brains, he's I mean going to be the brains. first to say big brains are kind of important. <laughs> Matt, how about you? Yeah, there ain't highlights. I don't know. For me, a highlight. I it's it's something that I feel like could be said in every movie, but it was it is never said. 
but it's where like early on there's a guy talking about how like when he got into punk like it didn't matter what was it matt davis talking about how because it feel i don't think it was but it feels like something he would have said about how like it's a way being into punk was a way to maybe it was him to it was like almost compensation for not having money where like other people are doing these things but to not have a clean to not do this or not do that it's always like oh like it does it, it the 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 accoutrements of punk don't make it seem bad that you don't have a lot of money right i don't remember exactly do you remember was it was it was it him because i don't think it was it, but it basically said, was, like i resent having to do anything for anyone else the per punk rock shtick if i have 50 bucks in my pocket at any day i feel pretty good or is that different no no it was early it was very early and it was someone talking about how like you know if they if they didn't have nice clothing or something like that it wasn't like about attitude it was like you know oh, yeah it, well yeah that's the part when the kids talking about never feeling bad about scrounging for food and not having a job Maybe it is that same Which part. Which was an interesting part because I noted that all the pics over that talking thing were of white punks. And I was like, I don't even – I feel huh. like there's a point to that and I'm not getting it. Not right. in a bad way. Like I, like I, I was like, I yeah, think that's yeah, a yeah. good move. And I was like, oh, that's something interesting that I'm feeling dumb not completely getting if right. I was – But the, yeah. just, just the idea that like punk doesn't matter if it's Afropunk or – or whatever, like is often, you know, it, it is a way to veil other, it's, it's a way to deal with and also veil other social conditions, you know, and it, and it was expressed in this movie in a way that it, 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 it's so obvious, but it's never, like the people are rarely self-aware enough to kind of pull that out as like, oh no, like, you know, we were talking about like, you know, when you wear the old pair of dirty Converse, it's not like it's not a marker of your of your class when you're in punk. Right. It's a marker of your punk. Right. Although that might be built upon the marker of your class, you know, of where you come from and what you, what kind of resources right. you have. That was a pretty. That was an, I, I like that. That was like finally pulled out in a movie. You yeah. know, like it was like almost pulled out in all ages when they talk about like the jeans and the the cut off t shirt sleeves that become their hats and everything like that. But it isn't. I just think it's a nice puzzle piece to put into mm-hmm. it. Um, but like all the things that you were saying for both for your highlights, I agree with. I think they're. Um, I just liked it. I just I liked it. I liked. Um, I don't know. I liked it. I, I liked. I like it more by virtue of the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe I should stop until we do our ratings for all this stuff. Yeah. It's about that time where we give our final reviews of the movie. So, what is there to say? What can one say? At a juncture like this, shall one? I'm just like fuck up old tenses. Shall one? Can um, what is to be done? What is happening? What is to be done? Why every time? Is, every time we find a way to drag this out somehow. What is? The, can I talk? Yeah. Can I finish? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Can I say? What is to be done? Can is I the say? question. Can I say? The question. <laughs> the question. The answer to the question, what is to be done, 
is episode of Jeopardy. Give our final, re- give our, <laughs> give our final uh, reviews and evaluations of this movie. And how do we do that, ne- Matt? <laughs> well, that the next question would be, how do we do that? So, from what is to be done, it's the. It, the next question is, how is it to be done? Pete, by the and way, the remember to, that whole thing I was talking about with the chai peps being just too <laughs> psyched on their own <laughs> He jokes. <laughs> what is to be done with this, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to rate these movies. And we're going to rate them on a scale of uh, 1 to 10 this time. Psych! <laughs> we are going to rate them... <laughs> You're trying to tell the people that we come up with a new rating system every single time we uh, rate these and that we always have one standard rating and we come up with different ones for the other ones. And we take a long time to explain it every single time. We take a time. long time to explain it, but always one of them. I was going to get to it. Yeah, eventually, eventually um, is the key word here. <laughs> is this movie as punk as the, uh, one of the guys from Cypher drinking milk in the background? Is that when they were recording in the studio? Yes. Yeah, okay. So one of the guys drinking the... Uh, have you seen this missing child uh, school uh, carton of milk? Um, is this movie as punk as this potentially apocryphal um, thing that Jeff brought up, which is Chaka having a framed photo of ashes behind him? Um, is this movie as punk as not giving the name of any of the talk or most of the talking heads until after the movie is over? Or is this movie as punk as Dave Grohl? Some good rating Pete. you got there. Yeah. Pete, you're up first. Ooh. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to go as punk as the movie not having any... Uh, are we saying it not having any names? Not, not giving names to, to the subjects? Not giving the name of the talking heads until after the go. movie Thank is you, over. Uh, I'm going to go with that one. Mm. Because that, I think that was the piece that resonated. The piece that I wondered and was annoyed at at first, um, because then at the end I was trying to figure out who was who. Um, but then in retrospect, resonated with me as to seeing and and listening to all the talking heads in terms of being on the sort of same level playing field and, and understanding their experiences and what their experience with punk uh is and was nicely said very nicely said jeff you want to go yeah i do so i i oh man my gut my gut was to go milk and i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna i'm gonna go with uh holding off on the names as well as punk is holding Mm. off on the names because uh, yeah same as pete where it was um, it it was frustrating at first, but then once I kind of forgot that I was getting frustrated, it was a little bit that it like allowed me to get out of my own mind. Pixies, huh? Nothing. Go ahead. What now? Come again? <laughs> I, said, I said pixies. Is that a pixie song? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, maybe. That is the so. Yeah. It allowed me to get out of my, my own mind. mind. Where yes, is my where mind? Yes, Where Is My Mind is a different song, but it allowed me to Where Is My Mind. Matt so that- made two references today. One about a bowling alley. 
Oh. And one about pixies that are not on the mark. Broken brain. So. Bowling alley? It allowed me to get out of my own way, allowed me to stop doing the kind of bullshit that I uh, honestly kind of have the privilege again, too, to listen to these stories and end up being distracted by, oh, that person was in that band. Oh, this record. Oh, I wonder who this person is, et cetera, et cetera. And instead, you know, for the first time in a while, just kind of shut up and just listen to it. Uh, and listen to what is being said, and uh, uh, I, I think that ended up being kind of an amazing tool and such a smart move in here. Uh, wasn't a hundred percent. I mean, I did get distracted by wondering about that ashes uh, photo, Still had to bring which is another reason maybe I could have gone for that for as puck as. But yeah, I'm going to go with uh, holding off on them names. I, I would have been nice. curious about nice. how you were nice. going to wrap the the milk one into it. Oh, I could. You know, do, do we really want this episode to go longer? <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's just a teaser. Everyone will have to wonder as long yeah. as will I. Minisode is, so, Minisode is just me <laughs> explaining how I could have used the milk rating. There we go. So Jeff said um, it allowed him to shut up, which made me think of um, uh, shut up while I'm, um, that song, shut up while you're speaking to talking to me something something no 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 feed the trees oh yes belly yeah belly belly. um okay so what now you're talking to me you know that uh bass player was straight edge very cool that's true she was x'd up on the cover rolling stone oh man it was so exciting is that right she was in Um, something i want to almost be like she played a uniform choice briefly but uh, she played in ashes (laughs) the um she played in belly. Yes, I'm pretty definitely. sure. Uh, <laughs> Just repeat Pete's joke. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. It didn't take what yeah. Pete said. It <laughs> pixies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's my mind? Um, uh, I got so. a question for you. <laughs> Where's my mind? <laughs> I don't know any other pixie song. You hardly so know that uh, one. Uh, Going by I your reference, I mean, I, so yeah, I knew that it, I knew that it was wrong. That's what it was. The, <laughs> that was the joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I'm gonna go with surprise, surprise, girl, dumb, crooked. Uh, no, ah. I'm dumb, crooked. I'm gonna go with yeah. not giving the band's name until um, not giving the Talking Heads name until after the movie's over because I think I said it earlier. Um, it really like that is that is the way it is at a punk show most of the time, or when you go to a house, or you know you go hang out with a bunch of punks, and you later find out that. Like the oh wow that was an important person but they're only important in your mind but they are actually just a human and this movie kind of like emulates that that cool dynamic and I thought that was pretty cool I didn't think of it until after you guys talked about it but yes you're welcome so over yeah um, well thank you um, slide the family stone so <laughs> that is that is just like <laughs> where is his bind. <laughs> Pixies. Um, Belly. <laughs> so, no, who's, who's thank you um, for allowing me to be myself? That's not Sly and the Family Stone. That's, uh, is it Casey and the Sunshine Band? Might be. Not sure. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, okay, anyway. Yeah, I, I, uh, overall, great yeah. movie. Real fun. Um, uh, felt very punk. Um, and... Since I wasn't involved in the conversation, I felt like I had to do no um, emotional or social work on it. So I really appreciated that. <laughs> um, 
JK. <laughs> uh, it, it would be very, yeah, very fun to find out after two hours that Matt learned nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Matt learned the opposite of the point. <laughs> so can you tell um, me... I think Pete, no, it's no, a Jeff no, 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 no. pick. I want to do one we kind of talked about. I wanted to do one that was... A little bit of a merging of a documentary and a movie, kind of. And I also wanted to do it in reverence to Matt. Ooh. Because it's like one of his uh, latest finds. One of the bands that he really enjoys a lot now. Wow. So for next week, uh, next episode, I want to be watching Fugazi Instrument. Oh, Whoa! Okay, Not what I thought was. Coming. I did listen to Fugazi. I I did listen to Fugazi. Uh, exactly. Really? Uh, that's what I'm yeah. saying. And hits. Oh. There you go. Great. But yeah, I just Great. I I have not watched it in a very long time. Uh, uh, I was interested to watch it on my own end after you know during the quarantine, thinking maybe I'm done with Fugazi. And then hey, hey. recently, I know, Pete, coming back around again, <gasps> Raging Against the Machine. <laughs> oh, coming, what did you say? Coming back around again? Oh, Pixies. Shelter. Yeah, shelter. Yeah, shelter, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Warp Tour. But, uh, yeah, I was just interested to see how it, uh, how it lands now. Like, it's been, like, it's like, we're, we're, we've talked about Ian so much. As like a cartoon character. Let's be honest. You've talked about him quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I do certainly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is. I'm good excited one. to see if the little tiny hat shows up an instrument, and I forgot about it. <laughs> so next week, next episode, next full episode. Forgot the instruments. Looking forward to it as well. It's yeah. Be fun. But until then, I'm Jeff Garlock up the punks. I'm Pete Tetlin. Oi, oi, oi. I'm Matt. Show me the money. (laughs) 